Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. Today we are uh, obviously continuing in our series, The Daniel Plan, and uh, we are picking up where we left left off last week and what it takes to really change. And uh, by the way, there was, um, I need to just point out, is Pam Hoover here? Pam Hoover gets the uh, prize. I'm not sure what it is. It's some of that wheatgrass juice, I think. For, for note-taking, she, she showed me her, her page from last week, and it was ridiculous. But uh, let, me just, let me just encourage you with this. You know, I, I, I mean, I just, after about three points, I think I threw out the fourth one. I said, okay, we've got to cut it right here. It's just too much here. But really, over the course of really preparing for that and studying and, and what God was doing in my heart, I mean, this right here, what it takes to really change is really what God's all about, bringing transformation in our lives, right? And uh, so I, I want you to pray for us as a body because here's what I'm kind of being impressed with, that we're going to take each one of these points because they're so packed, each one are so packed, and we're going to make each one of these six points a series over this coming year because the focus of this year really is going to be continually how God wants to bring His change in our life. No matter what your age is, how God brings about change. It's just, it's amazing. Uh, good, good stuff uh, as we look at it. Bottom line is, is that uh, no matter where you are in life, uh, what season of life is, you know, you know that there are some changes that you would like to make or changes that you need to make, changes that you want to make. And we've gone through all kind of uh, processes and, and experiences to, to bring about change, but so often these changes do not last. And yet if we, go, if we go to the Creator, if we go back to the One who created us, He provides for us exactly what, it, uh, what is needed in our life to bring about amazing, wonderful change that will result in what Jesus came for. He came that we may experience abundant life, abundant life. And so if you're not, if you're not there and full to the max, then what He is encouraging you with today is this. There's more I want to do in your life. There's more I want to do in your life uh, for your good and for my glory. So if you would, if you would open up your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. We're going to take a look at that again. I'm going to do a quick, uh, kind of quick review of the first three points that we went over last week, and then we're going to jump into the last three. But really the classic text on how to change and how God brings about change in our life is found in the book of Romans in chapter 12. Uh, and we're going to read uh, most of these verses together. So if you would, uh, matter of fact, uh, it's good to, to, we've already started the exercise, so let's exercise a little bit more allegiance to God's Word. By, if, would you stand with me as we read this together? Romans chapter 12. The Apostle Paul, therefore... 
And remember what we talked about last, uh, last week. Anytime you find that word therefore, we need to stop and remember what it's there for. In the first 11 chapters, uh, it just pointed out God did this, 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 all of this for you. And he says, therefore, because of this, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with, member members, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now jump with me to verse 9. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have just to come together. Uh, to this place to acknowledge that you are here and that you desire to wrap us up in your love and your loving arms and that, Lord, you want to just empower us through your Holy Spirit to experience your transforming work. Now I ask that through your presence, as you stir our hearts and stir our minds and stir our spirits, uh, that you stir us toward humility, to openness, to being teachable, to being loved by you, and then to just respond in obedience to what you invite each of us individually and us corporately to experience today. Be glorified in and through everything that is said, done, and responded to today. We pray all for your glory, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so it's in this particular passage that I think God lays out for us that we can see these six principles for lasting change in our life. And so first and foremost, I just want to encourage you to just say, all right, God, I, I know there's some things that need to be changed in my life. Just, you don't have to say it out loud, but, you know, just begin to just open up and be, be honest with him in this. And so last week, here's what we looked at. Number one is that we saw in verse uh, one that the first uh, key is commit my body to God. Commit my body to God. Uh, and th this is really the starting point. And the reason we say this is because everything that we do is in our body. Everything, everything, uh, relationships, we do finances, we, everything that we do is within the context of our body. And uh, as we are learning more and more through uh, the Daniel plan, we're being reminded that our bodies affect uh, our minds. Our bodies affect the rest of our life. Our muscles in, uh, influences our moods. 
So there's a connection that God has here as important uh, as the body is and that we just need to commit our body to God. So this is some of our practices. And again, I want to encourage you to take a look at uh, the little insert that, uh, that uh, Aaron was pointing out there and, and just kind of kind of do a check. If there's like, okay, God, there might be some, rem- I'm, I'm resistant, but there's, there's probably some things that I can learn about things that I put within my body. You know, things that I put within my body. Well, Tuesday night's a great opportunity for you to practically uh, to, to learn that and just offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Uh, also, there's those opportunities for exercise. And by the way, I know that last week, uh, the walk at the park with Ken, uh, I missed that because it was raining. But I didn't know that there's an alternative. in uh, Right there at the park, there's a gym. And so if it's raining, it's, and it looks like the forecast this week is a lot of rain, uh, you still show up there. There's a, the gym there or the, what's that called, the rec, the whatever it is. It's got a, it's got a, walking, uh, um, it's got a walking path inside that to where you, you can continue to walk together. If you need Ken's number, he's, he's a great walk mate. So just, just let him know that you're coming. But physiology affects psychology. And so that's, that's the reason we're starting right here. And this is the verse. And by, by the way, uh, I, I, loved, I love this verse. Uh, and this is uh, from the Passion Translation. Uh, I, I actually just uh, ran across this this last week, the Passion Translation, and love the way it puts it. It says, here's the way that puts it. Beloved friends, what should be our res- proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Think about that. How marvelous has God's mercy been toward me and you? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be a sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. That particular verse is really packed with so much, and he's just encouraging us to just offer our Selves, our bodies to Him. So what we looked at last week is the first law of change that the Bible shows for us. The first law of change is change is a choice. Uh, God's not going to demand it of you. It's a choice that you make. You say, okay, I'm going to choose to do this. It's a freely offer this to God. So that's a step that we can take today in your mind to say, all right, God, you created me. You know what's best for me. I've got some of my preference, but I'm just going to offer my body because you love me and you have the best in mind for me. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a choice that I make. So you choose to do it. But these are choices that you cannot make for anybody else, and that's what we like to do. You can't force someone else to to choose something, but you can choose something. First law of change is uh, change is a choice. Remember this uh, stat I talked about last week from the Health Magazine that said 75%, 75% of the money spent on health care, you know, almost $3 trillion in America stemmed from chronic diseases which can be prevented by lifestyle choices. Wow. When you grow up in L.A. like I did in Deep South eating fried chicken and everything's got fat back in it and all that kind of stuff, you, you know, no matter what kind of good vegetables we grew with those some fat back, you know, it's like, ooh, okay, there's probably room for uh, some change in my life, some choices that I can make in my life. All right, got it? Commit my body to God. We're doing that this, during this Daniel plan. We're learning more, opening ourselves up. Are you doing that? Are you saying, all right, God, show me some new stuff. 
because of your love for me, committing my body to you. Number two, we looked at refocus my mind. Refocus my mind. Uh, and this is from the uh, uh, Passion Translation 2. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Boy, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? You know, as, as, as we come to this particular passage, uh, it, it, it really encouraged me. Oh, oh, by the way, by the way, let me back up. By the way, refocus your mind. We, we, the principles, this is the principle of concentration. And the, and the number one was the principle of dedication. The principle of dedication. Commit my body to God. All right? All right, so as we refocus our mind, and, and what I was trying to do this particular, this, this past week, I mean, God just kind of uh, wanted me to, he said, hey, Mike, you need to, you know, you need to practice what you preach. And so I, I try to do that, you know, from time to time. But he's going, you, you really do. But it's offer, you know, offering your body to God. Um, and, and what really stuck out from that first verse was all that delights his heart. You know, he just kind of focused me, you know, from that first one of the passion, all that delights his heart. And, you know, he, he got me begin to th just really thinking about that. Um, Lord, you know, I don't need to just live my life to where I'm just doing what I think you want me to do. But what delights your heart? It, looking at it through that translation kind of allowed God to just kind of grab me, you know, by the, my face, by the cheeks and say, I want, you to, I want you to look at this. I want you to live your life in a way that delights my heart. And, you know, as longtime believers, we can start, you know, just, you know, listing all things that we think delights God's heart. But what he did is he turned, turned my attention a little bit to, um, well, what, what delights your heart in your children? Now, as you know, if you're visiting, uh, I've got six kids. And the rest of them know, six kids. What delights my Now, I love my kids, I think, uh, unconditionally. I love them. You know, and they've been some booger bears, you know, at times and all that stuff. But I love them. But what delights my heart? What is it in them that delights my heart? And I began to think, you know, it's, it's when I see, you know, genuine love, you know, whenever I see goodness in them, you know, whenever I, I see um, kindness in them. Uh, you know, whenever they, they want to be with me, not for what I can give them, but just because they want to be with me. And as I began to think more and more about the things that I really delight my heart about my kids, now I'm going to love them no matter what. You know, even if they come to me and go, Daddy, I'm coming to you, I'm going to hang out with you, but I know they've got an ulterior motive, I'm still going to love them. But it, I'm, it might not delight my heart. But as I began to look at those things that delight my heart in them and, and, and taking that and placing it over in what really delights God's heart, it's the fruit of the Spirit. The things that really delight His heart are love, joy. You know, when I see joy in my kids, true joy, no matter what, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness... And, and what God revealed to me is this, Mike, there's nothing you can do in and of yourself 
to delight my heart. It's what I do in you. Hey, matter of fact, can we go back to the slide, that slide one, I mean, the first verse right there um, on point number one? It says, uh, commit, should, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his living uh, sacrifice then and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. This is where he stopped me. Wait a minute. I experience it. I can't manufacture it. It's what I experience when I allow Him to do in me what He wants to do in me. Do you know that takes a lot of pressure off you and me? You know, it's, it's, not, it's not anything that I, I can try to do. I can, I can try to serve Him. So often we go to, you know, well, if I serve God and I do this and then, oh, yeah, that's all good, but it starts right here. It starts with that love relationship. And so that, that lends itself over into this change of mind, you know, number two, as far as refocus my mind. And, and, and as we look at this, he is saying that, that um, we just need to stop thinking our, <laughs> the way maybe we've always thought our world think, our stinking thinking, and start thinking God thoughts. God, you know, uh, focusing on Him. And, you know, we've heard that. Uh, so we're, we're on number two now, Mr. Glenn. And so it's saying here, do not conform any longer. Stop imitating the world around us. And, and this is another place that he just kind of said, okay, let's stop and think about it. There's so many things that we do in our life that we just do because we've always done them, right? But then he says, don't, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Everything that we do in life is a result of patterns that we've learned. You know, our models that we've had. You know, this is, this is how ducks are patterned by mama duck, you know, and they get in a line. Everything that we do is from some model or some pattern in our life. And so the reality is what God, what we looked at last week was that, you know, the truth of the matter is that as we were growing up, some of our patterns or some of our models for a whole lot of the stuff that we do wasn't really that great or really that healthy. When it comes to conflict resolution or anger management or eating or um, all kind of patterns or the way we live, whatever the case is, these patterns maybe not, were, were not that great. And he said, well, I, I, don't want, I don't want you to conform to those patterns. I want, I want you to have a, a new pattern, a new model. So the, uh, the second law of change is I must change my model. I must change my model. Now, unfortunately, there's only one perfect model. And his name is Jesus. And that's the reason we used to always sing songs like, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And that's the reason we're exhorted time and time again in the Bible to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to change our model. We need to be very intentional in saying, All right, God, I want you to help me see where I'm just doing this thoughtlessly or mindlessly, and I'm thinking it's not really hurting anything but it's not delighting your heart because it's not producing in me the fruit of your Holy Spirit. In order to change, I must change my model. And that's the reason he invites us to do that. He says, but, you know, don't be conformed, but be transformed. 
Now, I love the way... Uh, can we go back to that verse one more time? Back up to number two. I'm sorry. I'm just doing crazy stuff to him. It says here... Um, Stop imitating the opinions of culture, but be inwardly transformed. And this is what I love about it. By the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think we've got to manufacture this, but that transformation is not going to come, even that renewal of mind is not going to come apart from the empowerment of His Holy Spirit. I've talked to so many people said, yeah, yeah, I need to change my mind. You know, I need to change my mind. I need a new... And, and so they try to do that. And I've, I've, felt, I've fallen prey to that as well, that I think that I can do that. But it's by the Holy Spirit. This will empower you to discern God's will and live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. So when it comes to that transformation, and, and remember we looked last week at the um, aspect that, uh, you know, that word transformation, be transformed as metamorphosis, which is the same thing that happens to a caterpillar, which when the caterpillar comes out, he is not a better version of itself. He is a different animal, butterfly. Only God can do that. And so I think God has been just kind of re-encouraging me. I, next month I'll turn 63 years old and he's going, you still got a lot to learn. Only God can do that. Only God can turn a caterpillar into a butterfly, and only God can transform your mind and my mind. We need to change our model. Number three, and uh, we got through this one uh, last week, but it's humbly assess my life. This is the principle of evaluation. The principle of evaluation. Um, the greatest barrier of our life is, uh, in our life to anything is pride. And uh, so he encourages us here. He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. And um, here he's going, you know, be humble. You got to be humble uh, and be realistic. Uh, the New Living Translation puts... Uh, that phrase is, be honest in your estimate of yourself. And so this is where we kind of stopped off last week. We're saying, okay, let's ask some honest questions. What am I pretending? What am I pretending is not a problem in my life? What am I pretending is, not, you know, is, is, is okay? You know, it's okay in my marriage, in, in my finances, in my health, that I'm just saying, okay, this is okay. But, you know, AT&T will tell you that just okay is not okay? <laughs> last, when was it? I don't know. It was, it was, I don't know when it was. This last week, uh, Auburn was playing a big basketball game. Oh, it was Auburn, Alabama. It was the Iron Bowl on hardwood. It was a Wednesday night. Ooh, and I was all ramped up and excited about that and, uh, and sitting down. And uh, Felicia, were you there? No, she's not even here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and she's in the nursery. Okay. Is she? I told her we were, never mind. Um, so we were sitting there watching it, and I've got you verse, and it went out. And then so 10 minutes later it came out, and then it went out. Now, I've been having some of this. And so, man, oh, my gosh, oh, 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 this is the big game. So I called up uh, AT&T, and, man, I was going, folks, just okay is not okay. <laughs> I kind of took a little bit too much pride and pleasure in telling them that, you know, using their own, said, this is not okay. 
And, and, but God has shown me in many ways where just, I've just kind of been just okay is okay. But, but it, it robs us of that abundant, that beautiful life that he came to give us. Uh, he says, I want you to humbly assess that. You know, and so the question is, do you have enough courage to confront yourself on that? To acknowledge what's going on and do that? And then and we left it with this. Do you have enough courage to ask those closest to you to tell you honestly what needs to change? And so here again, the last way he's like, God just but here's the deal. He's first he he was showing me how how much he delights in me, and then you know, okay, I want you I want you to do that which delights my heart, Mike. And so so he starts with the love, and then he goes, okay, now let's get real. Let's humbly assess. You, you, we say your life, but your current state where things are. And so he took me to a time of just kind of doing that, just kind of. Saying, all right, you help me, search me, you know, what, you know what's going on. And there, there was some new stuff that he was showing me. And it's like, wow, where'd that, you know, where'd that come from? And then, then he said, I want you to take it a step further. I, I want you to ask some of those closest to you uh, things that need to change. Wow. Um. That's a big step. But it's in that that if, if, we're, if we're not trying to justify ourselves or be our own defense, but allow God to just love on us, then those that have our best interests in mind that can invest such amazing stuff in our lives. So we're in that process right now. But then we talked about last week how uh, that, that verse, it says, in accordance with the measure of faith, in accordance to the measure of faith that you have and, and, and how without faith it is impossible to please God. And, and so what we encouraged is, is this. It's like there's this measure of faith that God talks about that is going to be needed in order for us to have change. So we need to know where our faith is right now and the measure of faith that we need. See, some of us don't believe we can change. Some of us don't want to change. That means our measure of faith is low. We're running low. So this third law of change is I can only manage what I measure. I can only manage what I measure. We know that when it comes to money. We know that. We can only manage what we measure when it comes to so many other aspects in life. We can only manage what we measure, and that's true of faith as well. And so as we come and we humbly assess that, that means we've got to just take stock in where things currently are. And we start with where things are in your relationship, in your, in your bodies, in your finances, in your marriage. Just start with the current state. And then, and then record the progress. As God shows you, here's what I've stepped that I want you to make. Record it. So it's maybe in a journal or something else. Just start. Just record it. My doctor does that. I said, that's the way it is. He's got this standard. He's got this standard of measurement throughout 25 years of my life on all the critical things when it comes to my health. 
That's true in every other aspect of life as well. Wow, okay, so that was a quick review, wasn't it? Number four. I tell you, we need a series. Get group support. Get group support. If, if you really want to see change, get group support. This is what we resist a whole lot. We, we uh, I don't know about that. And this is the principle of cooperation. We resist that too. You know, we are independent. We do our own thing. But, you know, it's like my business is my business, your business is your business. But the truth is, is that we will not make the changes that we need to make, that we want to make, that we desire to make by ourselves. We need community. We need support. Um, the last Saturday, uh, we could go Saturday when it was snowing. We had a big deal for my father-in-law, and it was snowing outside. And um, uh, my youngest daughter's boyfriend was standing at the door, and he said, hey, you know, Mr. Mike, come here. And uh, he was showing me that right out there, out, you know, there was, a, it, we had the entryway and, and the, the slate out there, and there was very little, there was no snow there, but out beyond that, it was piling up. It was piling up. And he said, check this out. He said, you see that, those big old snowflakes? Y'all see those big old, big old snowflakes coming in? And when they fell straight on the slate, it instantly melted. But when they fell on the other snow, it began to just pile up. And, I, and he was showing me that, and I said, okay, what's the moral of the story? He said, that's the body. That's the body of Christ. See, one, one snowflake, individual snowflake, which we, we are, uh, some of us are just flakes, uh, but, uh, you know, by itself, it doesn't do a lot, but uh, you get enough snow together, it stops traffic, and it'll stop what's going on as far as an avalanche of stuff that just it's just it breaks our world and all that kind of stuff, but we just need community. And, and I did mention this 58 times in the New Testament, uh, the phrase one another is used. Love one another, care for one another, encourage one another, support one another. You know, God never meant for us to go through life alone. And yet, there's some things that we do with other people, but when it comes to really being transparent and open, you know, very few of us are that. But if you're not sharing all of you, you're not, you're not sharing the real you. You're not sharing what's going on. And it's a, it's a scary thing, but here's the, here's the bottom line, and I've seen this in my life so often. I've seen this. I've seen it in my own life. But isolation, and, and you can be around people, but you're just not being real. Isolation always leads to delusion. Delusion. And you go, yeah, but uh, I'm just scared. Oh, no, 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 Listen. When we understand it, that what God's heart is, there's nothing that we can do to earn His love, that He's done it for us, and He loves us unconditionally, and then we embrace that as a body of Christ, and you find a body that understands that, that is not going to live in judgment and, and judge performance, but it's going to be a safe place for you to experience all that God is and your new identity in Him. Wow, that's amazing. Here's what he says. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of his one body. And each of us has different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other and each of us needs the others. All right. Circle that, underline it. We belong to each other and each of us needs one another. 
Boy, that's un-American. That's a shift in thinking. This is God thinking. This is God truth and, and not our culture truth. Fourth law of change. Change requires community. And you'll have some, uh, you know, saying, oh, I can do it. I can. No, no, no. Lasting change, godly change requires community. I was just talking with somebody this last week, and, you know, they, they're kind of real selective and all that kind of, and, and they're kind of doing something their own. Uh, matter of fact, several folks, you know, like, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm not, I don't do the stuff with church, and, and it's like, and I, I'm just like, isolation brings what? Delusion. God didn't wire us that way. God didn't build us that way. Lasting permanent change comes when we come together. The things that in your life that you've never been able to, get to break, habits, this, that, that, you know, in community is where the breakthrough comes. The breakthrough comes. When there's that vulnerability and we, when we just share. Um, and, and here's the deal. Power of positive thinking isn't going to last because, see, the Bible tells us we need two things. We need, we need community and we need God's power. Combine. Number five. Number five. Lasting change comes when I fill my life with love. Boy, this one really hit me right here. When I fill my life with love. Why is that? Why is that true? Because God tells us time and time again that love changes the unchangeable. It's the only thing that can. It's the most powerful force in the world. Love invigorates. Love uh, revitalizes. Love refreshes. It's the most powerful force in the universe because God is love. He didn't just say, I have love for you, but I am love. Love heals what cannot be healed otherwise. Love uplifts. Love strengthens. Love energizes. The Bible even says that love is as strong, stronger than death in the Song of Solomon. And we like to sing the love songs, but as far as applying this to our lives and what really God has, the best that God has for us, we sometimes fail to apply that. But if love is stronger than death, then think, that means that love is stronger than debt, that love is stronger than divorce, that love is stronger than discouragement, that love is stronger than depression, that love is stronger than disease, that love is stronger than doubt. It is stronger than anything else. If I want to experience lasting change, it's not just a resolve and, uh, you know, will, no, fill my life with love. Look at this verse. Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is evil. Stand on the side of good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring one another. Really love them. He says, really love them? Then you got to hate what is evil. And hating what is evil sometimes means that there needs to, to be a loving confrontation. Uh, that means there needs to be an intervention on me. That's the reason I, I want to humbly assess my life so I can do an intervention on me. And I go to somebody else. I say, you, you, I'm doing my own intervention. Would you help me in that? Hate what is evil. Stand on the side of good. Sometimes to stand on the side of good, that means it's going to require courage to confront. 
But I like that last, that last phrase. Take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. You know what that means? That means rather than being resentful or jealous or seeing some stuff happen for others and us going, uh, why is it so easy for them? Why is that? Well, what does it mean? It means that every time there's a small, well, number one, you've got to be in a group. That means we're in community. And then when there is a small step, a small win, we celebrate it. You come and go, yeah. Somebody said, you know what? I just got off fried chicken last week. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm meeting a grill now. We go, whoo, that's a small win. If that's what their goal was. You know, or somebody said, you know, I just memorized the first half of John 3.16. Woo, take delight in encouraging and honoring one another. Rather than being so judgmental and, oh, we're in a society of put downs. We celebrate small wins. We love one another. Fill my life with love. You go, man, I want that, baby. I want my, okay, wait, wait, here's the amazing thing. God has wired our universe in such a way that when you help other people, God takes care of you. So really the question is not, am I helping myself, but is who am I helping? So, so as, as we begin to say, God, this is what you want to do with my, in my life, and we're aware of that, but we're also very aware of what God is doing in somebody else's life, and we are focused on helping them. It's not so inward focused. In the book of Job, you know, you, most of you know all of that, that he lost everything. He lost his health. He lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost it all. But at the end of the book of Job, we see that God gave it all back. How much? Double. But when did he give it back? When he prayed, God, a hundred times God helped me? No. Look at this verse right here. When did God give it back? Right here. Job chapter 42. It's, did I put it on the uh, overhead? I thought I did. Number five, bring it on. Okay. I'll tell you what it says. Uh, all right. Here we go. It says, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had for before. After Job had prayed for his friends. Not when he prayed for himself, but when he prayed for them. Fifth law of change. Fifth law of change that we see in the Bible. Law of change requires giving back. It's not just, oh, I've got to get all this to change. Uh, uh, change requires giving back. We need group. We need community. Not just so they can help us, but so that we can help them because it's in the process of our helping others giving back that God lavishes His provision on us. Number six. Number six. We're going to make it, I think. Nurture my enthusiasm. Nurture my enthusiasm. Do you know some of those real enthusiastic people that kind of make you sick? It's like, Good gracious, chill out. That's the principle of motivation, by the way. Principle of motivation. And some of you are going, well, I'm just not a real enthusiastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute, that may be world think that you if you said that, that might be world think. And not God think. Because he's going to show us we need it. We need enthusiasm. And and then, you know, this has been a big deal in my life, you know, that 
I need to figure out how to maintain my enthusiasm uh, for the long haul because I need that in order to truly change. We all do. And, and this is something that throughout my life that I, I've seen, you know, my enthusiasm go like this. I don't know if you, you, you probably can't relate to me, but try, try. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, nothing great is ever accomplished without enthusiasm. Nothing great is ever accomplished without enthusiasm. And I believe this. Without that passion, without enthusiasm, nothing great, nothing. I want to get out of debt, kind of, maybe, sort of. It's not going to happen. I want to get in better shape. I, I really want to get in better shape. Pass, t- pass the chips, please. Not going to happen. Because that, that's, not, that's not this sense of passion and enthusiasm. That's like, I, I want, there's a lot of things I want, but I'm just not willing to pay the price for it. You just bring it on. And, and you've experienced, I'm sure, as I have, that you know, it's easy to be enthusiastic at the start of anything. You know, maybe even for this Daniel plan, it's like, I'm going to be enthusiastic. But after you know, a couple of weeks, it's like, I'm sick of the Daniel dudes. I'm sick of the menus. I'm sick of all this stuff. You know, we kind of lose that enthusiasm. But what, what, was that something that God was calling us to in the first place? How do we maintain our enthusiasm, not just for weeks, not just for months, but for the rest of our life? God kind of really settled this on me. And we all know that, that most of us set our goals too low and we try to accomplish them too soon. But how is it that God wants to call us to, to see what He wants us to be and experience that change for a lifetime? You know, how do we stay enthusiastic day in and day out in spite of delays, in, sti- in spite of difficulties, in spite of dead ends, in spite of problems, in spite of pressures, in spite of criticism? How do we stay enthusiastic? Because, see, all of those things is what really pour water on it. But you know some people, you know some people, you've seen, you've seen people who have that enthusiasm and yet they are facing great opposition, they're facing difficulty, they're facing pressures, they're facing problems. How do we do that? And it takes more than just a lot of positive thinking. It takes more than just psyching ourselves up because there's a whole lot of stuff that's out there that's not, <laughs> that we can't be optimistic about. The stuff that we see in our world, disease. I mean, you, you can't be positive about that. Rape, you can't be positive about that. You know, murder, you can't be positive about that. There's a whole lot out there not to be positive about. You can't put a positive spin on it. It's just the way it is. It's real. But the way that we stay enthusiastic for a lifetime is found in the very word itself, enthusiasm. The, the, the word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word entheos. Perhaps most of us know that, but here's just a reminder God's saying, entheos. In God. So, really, when it comes to being enthusiastic, this shows us the sixth law of change. Uh, for lasting change to happen in our life, the sixth law is that to change, it requires for us being in God. 
It requires me. It requires you being in God. When we are in God, we will be enthusiastic. It doesn't matter what's going on, how the economy's going. It doesn't matter how the weather is. There's this gut level, deep, soul level enthusiasm. Our enthusiasm is not dependent on our circumstances. In God. God in me. And Paul tells us how to do this through this last verse. Look here, and this is the Passion Translation again. Be enthusiastic. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward Him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let Him fill you with the excitement as you serve Him. As I was just kind of marinating on that particular verse, he just said, here's the secret. Let Him fill you. We've tried to muster it up. Let Him fill you. Just like He is the one that produces in us the fruit of His Spirit as we cooperate with Him. Let Him fill you with excitement as you serve Him. The people that I see that are just doing whatever it takes to spend time with God, in God, I see their joy, I see their enthusiasm in the most mundane things. For most of us, you know, we just gripe and we say, this is beneath me, I hate doing this, blah, 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 blah. No, when you're in God, He will fill you with enthusiasm. Whereas in the past, you go, man, I was enthusiastic for a week, I was on it for a month. No, but this is for a lifetime. Let Him fill you. And then He gives us three key areas here in verse 12. The latter part of verse 12 of how this is to be applied. He says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. What's he saying there? The way we keep our spiritual enthusiasm, our fervor, is to be joyful in hope so that when things are going wrong, I can still be joyful because I know God's plan is good. I know God wins in the end, and I am His and He is mine. I'm joyful in hope. He says to be patient in affliction. Be, anybody been afflicted lately? Be patient in affliction. That's because I know that even in pain, God's going to bring out the good. I can be patient in the pain because I'm letting Him fill me, the Holy Spirit fill me. And it says, be faithful in prayer. Why? Because in every problem, we're either going to pray or we're going to panic. We're either going to worry or we're going to worship. When we're joyful in hope, when we're patient in affliction, when we are faithful in prayer, that means we're responding to Christ in us, the hope of glory, and that we are now responding not in world think, but in God think, focused on Him, and He is filling us. He is doing it. He's bringing this stuff out. And when we're doing that, we get what I call God's GPS. God's GPS. You know what GPS stands for, right? I mean, the real, the real GPS. Global Positioning System. All right, so now we got the Creator. We got God's GPS in my life. Right here. And that's a good thing because, see, like, you know, if I were to put in my GPS, or you can call it any number, not names, you can, uh, uh, Waze, whatever you want to go. When I put in Grady, Alabama, 
And, and I start going that way. When I take a wrong turn, you know what it does? It pivots and it says, mm, go this way. We, in this, in this year, in this year, but we're still going to get there. And this year, we're, we're, God's going to say, okay, here's something I want to do in your life. Here's some changes. This is something I'm pointing at, da, 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 da. And we're going to mess up, and we're going to take some wrong turns. And all along the way, God's going to say, hey, I understand that you're going to mess up because you are human, and you sometimes make poor choices. But I'm going to show you how to get from where you are to where you need to go. And you can Sometimes the stinking thinking says, ah, it's just too much, too hard, too... No, uh-uh. God's GPS says, no, listen, wait. listen I, I understand. I see that. But I, I am loving you not based on your performance or your poor choice, but I'm loving you because of who I am. David says, God, have mercy on me, not because we deserve it, because that's just who you are. We're going to mess up. But more than anything else, what lasting change that God is wanting to bring in our life to bring <laughs> His goodness to you and, and great glory to Him is just is really more than anything, we need to be in God. This is just His reminder. When Jesus says, I'm life. I'm, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm life. I'm your life. What does that look like? As we go through these six things, I mean, it's what he said at first. We just surrender. I mean, it starts with that. And God, right now today, is going to say, hey, I want you to, I want you to surrender. Through his Holy Spirit, there's, I want you to surrender. You've been trying to give me just a little bit here, but I want you to just surrender. And you're scared. You up and down. He goes, yeah, but I love you. And I am God. I can. I am. It means we surrender and we just really become dependent on Him through faith, that measure of faith, saying, God, grow my faith. But that's just daily relying on Him, just daily looking to Him. For every look at self, take 10,000 looks at Christ. And then enjoying the beautiful life of holiness that He's talking about. I believe, I believe that God wants to do some amazing things in my life. And I think He wants to do some amazing things in your life. I think He wants to show this world that the pattern of this world is absolutely stupid. We go, okay, if I can just push it, push it, push it until, you know, Glenn and I were talking about this a little bit, or, you know, work hard to about 50, then start coasting a little bit, and then retire. That's nowhere in the Bible. That's nowhere in the Bible. It's like, uh, and, and if we've retired, that's not bad. What I'm saying is God's got, He's retiring you into a greater future. Just like Moses had said that Moses, until his very last days, his very last breath, was energized and productive in what God had called him to do. He had bright eyes and a bushy tail. That's a paraphrase. But I mean, he, he was there. And that's what God wants for you and me. He wants to bring change in my life and yours. He wants to bring change in our body. And He wants to bring change in this world. Will we let Him? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You that You're so persistent and You're so loving. And that You don't just leave us down here to figure it out ourselves, but 
you have revealed through your living word, your love for us and your empowerment for us to live in a way that not only is beautiful for us, but is beautiful for all of those around us and that breathes life into others. Maybe your prayer this morning is something like this, Father, I don't want to go another day without you controlling every aspect of my life. Lord, I want you to show me exactly where your Holy Spirit is just pinpointing in my life. I want to offer my body. I want to dedicate myself to you. I don't want, I don't want to think the old patterns anymore. I want you through your Holy Spirit to renew my mind. Lord, I acknowledge that my pride has been so resistant of you in the past, and right now I just humbly want to acknowledge that I need change, and you desire that. I've been measuring my life based on what I thought was just okay, and yet you want to delight in me. Lord, help me to acknowledge the things in my life that you want to change, and to be able to respond in ways that can be measured. Turn my eyes not only to myself, but to those around me. That I may delight in honoring other people as well. Forgive me for my focus so much on self. But I come and trust you right now to nurture my enthusiasm. I want to be in you right now. For we make it our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.